0: things we ought not do
1: and fail to do the things we ought to do but we thank you that you are a forgiving god and that you gave your only son because you loved us so much and through him we can have forgiveness we pray dear heavenly father that all those who are struggling to make a living you would show them away As you do provide for the birds and the bees, much more you will provide for us. We pray for those who are suffering the effects of COVID, many in hospitals here and abroad. And we pray for those families who may have lost loved ones as a result. Today, as we go through this program, we pray that you would pour out a special blessing on the leader of the opposition as he seeks to do his duty. And we pray that all of us as citizens, while we may demand our rights, that we may understand our rights come with certain civic responsibilities. Bless us today, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Again, I want to welcome everyone throughout the length and breadth of Turks and Caicos Islands, every nook and cranny, every settlement. This is Expressions, the People's Program, dedicated to entertain, to inform, and to educate. And I tell you, I spend countless hours researching, preparing, to bring you informative programs. On a programming note, on Wednesday of this week, I hope to have a team from the National Insurance Board and the consultant, Mr. Lake Walter Lake Gardner, on expressions. That is going to be a very, very informative and educational show. Be sure to join in. On Thursday, there is to be the House of Assembly meeting. Your host intends to provide a synopsis of the day's event for the news. And on Friday, God Life The invitation is still open to whichever minister wants to come on expressions. Because like I have said, approaching the first anniversary of this 14 to 1 government, it's time now that they account for their stewardship. And so I am inviting them to come forward one by one. I had a great session with the Minister of Education and I'm looking forward to a sim to similar ones with other ministers. But for today I have the privilege of sitting with the Honourable Edwin Astwood, the Leader of the Opposition. And so I want to say to him, welcome to expressions and before he responds i think he should feel very very comfortable he is in blue and guess what i am in blue too <laughs> true blue you know blue is one of my favorite colors unlike a friend of mine who doesn't even like to go in the sea because he said the sea is too blue <laughs> But anyway, stay in tune and have your questions ready because the Honorable Edwin Ashford and I will have a great conversation. The first hour or so will be that dialogue, and then we'll open the phone lines for your questions and or your comments. But before I get to the questioning part, Perhaps the Honorable Astwood may have a prepared statement or opening comments that he would like to make. So, Honorable Astwood, again, welcome. Go right ahead, sir.
2: Uh, Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be in the studios, RTC, this morning, uh, here with you, Mr. Hall. Uh, But before I do, I want to say also offer my condolences to those families. Uh, throughout the Turks and Caicos Islands who have lost loved ones. And especially at this time, I must single out Mr. James and the James family here in Grand Turk. You know, of course, my good friends, uh, Terrain, Ricky, Therese, you know, my hearts go out to all of them. And all the families uh, find themselves in times of bereavement here in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Uh, no prepared statement but you must always be prepared to speak. Yes. Uh, My role is a needed one. I always tell people I am doing the people's business. You know, I'm here to serve the people. That is my role. That is why I'm still here. Not for any selfish gain or anything like that. Just your service. Uh, Many times people may leave. People may not want to be in my position you know, 14 to 1. But if it was just about something about Edwin Oswald, you know, it would be difficult, but it is about the people, so it is a pleasure. And you welcome all the bumps and bruises, because you're doing it on behalf of your people, on behalf of your country, and on behalf of the future of our people, you know, all the young people. We have to look at the future and what legacy we're leaving for them. Uh, The person's All those who served in the 70s and 80s, they left a wonderful legacy for us to follow. And I believe it is my point that many of them did more with less. And today, we have much more. But it seems at times that we are doing much less. And persons, many times when I speak, people will say, well, you were there before you were a past minister. Uh, Yes, Uh, I know uh, the short comments, I know the things that could have been done and not been done. But if you do not learn from your mistakes, you know, you you show that, uh, you know, you're in, incapable. I mean, if you've been in a position before and you've seen the things that could have been done and you do not correct them, Mr. Hall, then something has to be wrong with you. And I am fortunate to be on, have been on both sides, opposition, Being in government as a minister and now back in opposition, so I have seen both sides. And also, I have worked all my life in civil servants, and I've been start from a entered apprentice, a trainee, straight up to acting PS deputy sac of the governor's office, acting PS director of the hospital lab director. So I know how it is to be a civil servant and to be at the highest, at the peak, just underneath the ministers at that time so I work in all those positions so when I come I have a holistic point of view and many times when people hear me challenging civil servants and so it's because I know the things that can be done how it should be done and how it should not be done and and that is the thing not because you question something means that you're against it and a lot of us are afraid to question things in our country we are afraid to question power And you shouldn't be afraid to. No matter what it is, you shouldn't be afraid to question your pastor, uh, your ministers, the leaders of the government, the governor, the premier. You know, a lot of those positions are in a position of service. And if you do not feel like you're getting the service that you need, you have to question that. You have to question that, Mr. Hall. And so I want people to know that we are one people. You know, not because uh, I debate hard The members of the government in the House of Assembly means that I think that they are bad people or so. And I always make that known. We are one people with just two different ways of getting to a destination. And many times I may think that they are taking the wrong road, and I have to point that out. Or I think that they're traveling too slow. I have to point that out and offer an alternative point of view. But that doesn't mean we are separate separate people. We are one people here in the Turks and Caicos Islands, and in order for a democracy to really function, you need to have choices. Now, it gets messy when you have eight and nine and ten parties, but if you have two uh, strong parties, there always must be a balance, yin and yang. You know, you always see that in Chinese, you know, uh, one pushing and one pulling. Uh, There's always a balance in nature. So, in the House of Assembly, there must be a balance. For things to operate properly. And again, you know, we are all one people. Uh, No matter which island you come from, no matter which denomination you serve, uh, and no matter which party you belong to. Because all of us here, we can say we have family who serve on both sides or who support both sides. You yourself have households where one brother support this party, the next brother support the other party. But that doesn't make them not being brothers. And if my time in the House of Assembly can show anything, I want us to show that that we can disagree we can agree to disagree and but do it in a civil way. We never argue the person's personal point point of view, argue about their job and when I criticize people I'm criticizing them on their performance. nothing personal. Many of my opponents, political opponents, I like them as a person you know things being said, you know there are people who I would probably like to hang out with you know, and be cool with, you know, and just socialize with a few of them. But that doesn't mean I need to like the job that they're doing. I can still dislike and question the job that they're doing while liking the person they are. That's all.
1: Yes, fair comments. But anyway, as I always like to do it with music, I want to relax my audience and let them know that... Like the saying goes, I treat all boxes alike. There you go. And the same respect that I gave to other ministers being interviewed, I will do the same to Honorable Edwin Astwood, leader of the opposition. But it is my job to ask the sometimes tough yes. and sometimes apparently tricky questions. Of course. Many persons compare politics to a game. Maybe there are certain aspects of it that are similar... But here is Bob Andy's Games People Play. It's an old song, but I love it, and I like to bring out my message with music.
2: Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful.
1: But I'm a man who listens to words, you know, and I like that line that said people are walking up to you as if, you know, to say hi to you, but then sucking it to you in the name of the Lord. (laughs) Boy, what a line. I don't know if many of you listen to words like I do. You know, words have meaning, powerful, powerful meaning. I, I enjoyed that song.
2: Okay. I actually enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that one.
1: All right, uh, DJ, yeah. let's pull up a little bit more for the honorable leader yes, of the opposition. Yes, just one Bring more it back line. from the beginning. All right. Yes. He likes it. <laughs> <laughs> It's to me, if you begin to play games with people's lives, that I tell you, my brother. Anyway, let's get on with this dialogue with the lead of the opposition now. Uh, But let's start perhaps at the beginning, Honorable Astrid. Yes. I may have had some dialogue with you before the last elections, but I'm not sure if we had a whole show. Did we?
2: No, not a whole show. All
1: right, good. But anyway, tell us... What it is that really attracted you to electoral politics?
2: Yes, uh, uh, all the way, I always like to represent people, whether it was in high school, uh, throughout. Um, someone who have been house captain, form captain, prefect, head boy, uh, you name it, you know, because that was always my personality, even at the workplace, at the hospital. Uh, if the maids or so have a problem and we have a staff meet and they would come to me and say, well, Eddie, I want you to say this, you know, bring this up for us, you know. This is happening in the kitchen. This is happening with the ambulance drivers. This is happening with the cooks. You know, even I, at that time, I was inside the laboratory. And as you move, you say, well, I want to be able to help these people. And you realize that at your level, you can only go so much. Then as house services manager, different things. Now it's about salaries over time and things, and you want to help people again. And you try your best, and when you realize, well, there's a ceiling as far as I can help as a health services manager. Then eventually, I uh, get a next degree, master's degree, and uh move to DEPSEC. And at that time, just when I moved to DEPSEC, uh, the whole suspension of constitution thing, and I was at the governor's office with the late Kingsley Bean. And again, at that time, we were almost running the entire government from the governor's office. And you got a taste of trying to help people, trying to manage government. And there was so much on us at that time. You know, but I learned a lot from uh, Mr. Bain, you know, a statesman. He was wonderful. And I see how he tried his best. But I also saw limitations as we had to report directly to, to the governor. And, you know, you keep on saying, well, something is wrong with this picture. And even then you say, well, I want to do more. Something is wrong because I'm taking instructions from persons from the FCO and they are my bosses. And sometimes I didn't feel like what they were doing were in the best interest of our people. Even, you know, I mean, (laughs) even in terms of some recruitments that I saw. You know, sometimes we will have a recommendation for a job, and you were like, wait a second. Uh, why did they put these qualifications together? This doesn't make sense. Because if you take this half out, we can find that a dime a dozen in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And you put take this half out, you can find that a dime a dozen in the Texan and Caicos Islands. But you do not need these two, two for this position. And you see a lot of things saying, I can only affect so much change at this level. So maybe it's time for me to move to the next level. So that was at the undersecretary at that time, under secretary position. And then when uh, Mr. Bain retired, I was the acting secretary. Didn't get confirmed. I didn't, P.S. Didn't get confirmed as yet, leading into uh, the 2008 and 12 elections. I decided, you know what, if I need to affect change, you know, now is the time to do it. You know, let me move out. And as opposition, you can only go so much. And when we became the government in 2016, again you come in, and you have so much things that you want to do for your community. And we had coined the phrase, uh, the phrase at that time, the other ministers and myself, you know, that we never saw it so hard to do good, Mister. I was going to say Mr. Speaker, you know that, <laughs> sorry, there are old habits, old habits, because yes, yes, you were, uh, and I want to tell, just for sticking in, uh, if the general public hear me referring to Mr. Hall as Mr. Speaker, he was the Speaker when I was first there, so when I'm speaking to him sometimes I still refer Mr. Speaker, but Mr. Uh, former Speaker, so, you know, we, 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 saw, we saw the things that hinder government, you as a minister from doing certain things. And I myself, you know, you want to come in and you have these ideas and realize that there's so much things that you can do. And a lot of things need to be changed. Policies, and you see, during that time when the suspension of our Constitution and all of that, uh, a lot of things was written in taking the powers away from ministers. And it seems like in almost anything we do, we are questioned. You know, that it comes into question. And, And so you wanted to do so much more. And so little time. And we had the unfortunate or fortunate, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. Just when we come in, uh, we had unprecedented two hurricanes. uh, Just when we come in. So whatever plans you had went out the door. So all your plans for the next two and a half years were rebuilding the country. So all the nice things that you wanted to do for your communities and, and your ministry, you couldn't do it no more. Because it was a recovery budget for two years. So he said, okay, okay, we have two years to do whatever we need to do, almost a year and a half. Then, once you hit, you have your first real budget, you start doing things, and then the club pandemic come in, and then oh, everything goes out the window again. So, you know, all I know is crisis in government. I don't know what it is to be under a good time. Well, that may be, I may feel bad about it now. But that may be God preparing you for something in the future. You know, we may feel like, "Oh, why God has put this on me? I'm finally reached to a minister a minister position. Why can I f- truly effect change for my people?" And all you did was manage a Christ, crisis after crisis after crisis. But sometimes, you know, uh, and in the scriptures say you, you shouldn't complain because you don't know oh, why, what God is sharpening your tool to do in the future. So even though you know I was disappointed that those events happened while I was there and you couldn't really shine, couldn't really run your game and do what you wanted to do. But I am thankful for every experience. And so that is the reason why in progression how I reached to the point where I am now.
1: When I was a youngster there were some persons who inspired me. Persons like Jamaica's national hero Marcus Garvey. Persons like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, persons like Mahatma Gandhi, other individuals, local or international, that may have inspired you and helped to shape your life and outlook.
2: Yes, and I, I want to start uh, with uh, two persons. You know, I mean, I mean it's obvious, but you know, people will see why uh, both the Honorable J. G. S. McCartney, who is my uncle, and the Honorable Norman Sanders. Uh, Mr. McCartney, he set the stage. I believe that he was way ahead of his time to see, you know, to have that feeling in his people what we can be. You know, just like all the persons that you mentioned, you know, they really wanted more for their people. And Honorable Sanders, and to see how those two persons work together without hating each other. And Honorable Sanders showed us that uh, you can fall, but you can get back up again, you know where you are now doesn't dictate where you will be later. You know, and I admire that in him, and he, you know, I have that respect for him, and anybody who knows me knows that I have that respect for him. I was happy that I was able to serve with one of those persons inside of the House of Assembly. Need that be, uh, Mr. Sanders during his last time, so, you know, I didn't get to see the true warrior, you know, I got to see, you know, the, the more advanced warrior who's more Philosophical than radical mm-hmm. so i I'm happy for that on the local scene, and of course, there are a number of teachers and stuff, but also you know persons like Fidel Castro you know I read you know, research him, read out biographies, and so you know, and not you know I didn't like how he really kept his people there in the later days, but in the early days the the why the how the revolution started, you know that they wanted Cuba for Cubans, all the foreign persons who were owning everything in Cuba. You know, let's take that back. Let's get, This should be in the hands of our people. All the big farms, all the persons who had the big farms no, these peasants been working this land for ages. They do not have any land. Let's split it up and give it to them so they can make something. And Mr. Hall, you know the first land that he took was his parents' owns? He took his own parents' own land first and gave it to the people. And he was assigned... Of hope for the region. You know, and, and I like that about him. I don't like I don't agree with all his policies and not having democratic uh, government and want to keep there uh, all the time and the communist approach. You know, but the idea, the base where he started, the young Castro and the revolution, and he would send soldiers throughout the world. Angola, anywhere in Africa, anywhere where people are being suppressed, he would send soldiers, Mozambique. you know. Yes. And I, I admired that about him. I truly admire that about him and how he could have, could have stand up against the U.S. for all those years. Hundreds of attempted uh, assassinations. They tried, assassinations they tried, and he withstand all those years. And also uh, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, what I like about him even though sometimes people might say he go off the deep end, but he's not afraid to speak what he considered to be the truth. No matter who it is, it could be in a room of all white people. He will talk, tell them what they're doing wrong, what they do not like. No matter who it is, he will always speak truth to power, and I like that about him. Even though I may not agree with everything that he says, nor or all the ideologies that he promote, but I like the stance that he takes.
1: Really, um, I have, and I still listen to Farrakhan quite a bit. There isn't really a greater orator than he is. And the man is very, very knowledgeable.
2: Yes. I read
1: almost everything there was about Fidel Castro, and I share a great deal of the sentiments that you expressed. Um, I smile as you spoke because years ago, if you had expressed uh, that you admired these two persons, people yes. would want to chase you out oh, of yes. town. Oh, yes, But today, people are more <laughs> liberal in their thinking. Yes. And uh, they can appreciate, you know, the, these sorts of things. Anyway, let us uh, now pivot to the last general elections. Yes, sir. As the last man standing, this is so to speak. Yes. After that 14 to 1 trouncing yes. by the PNP. Even the best man for the job got lost in the midst of everything. Has your party done a post-mortem to find out why they were rejected in such a way?
2: Yes. Uh, many of us and um, and smaller groups, uh, smaller at the branches level, we, we did that. And uh, there are a number of things we saw uh, that, you know, happened And many of us know a lot of the downfalls Are what the people were saying And we got this straight from the people Even though we may not agree with everything Or believe that everything, some of us But it is what the people saying And we have seen a lot, you know, and heard a lot from our people And or when I say our people, the Turks and Caicos Islands people Because we didn't just listen to the people who normally support us You're not going to get the full picture you want to ask people who didn't vote who, uh, why they didn't consider you also. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a general feeling of, uh, uh, from the, the information that we got to us so why, you know, that happened. Uh, and that is uh, candidate-wise and party-wise. All right. Would you like to share some of those uh,
1: observations or are you saying that's just for in-house?
2: Well, uh, some of the more general ones, uh, a lot of people felt that at the end of the, during uh, the tail end of the pandemic, we could have done done more in terms of financial assistance. A lot of people felt that, you know, they needed more, and at that time we didn't give them more. You know, that was a big one on people. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people also feel that somewhere uh, even during the pandemic they they couldn't relate to us as much as they wanted to and maybe that's uh due to the pandemic making and we don't know what it is but uh, people saying that they we lost touch with them during those uh the last couple of months leading into the election and now that may be you know individuals doing that or that may be due to the pandemic, but. The bottom line is that people felt that we lost touch with them during that time and that we didn't do enough in terms of financial assistance uh, during that time. Many said they love how we handle the pandemic, uh, systemically handling the, the pandemic and the measures we put in place and the whole work surrounding the physical management. But when it comes to taking care of the people in terms of financial assistance and things like that, they felt that we fell fell down on. And that is the feedback that I got. Yes. I mean,
1: I personally felt that you, as minister, did a a pretty good job uh, during the pandemic. No doubt about that. Um, Generally, after losing an election, the leader of the party often accepts responsibility for the defeat. Uh, In the criticism that you may have received, um, have they expressed that a great deal was due to the leadership at
2: that time? Uh, You had mixed emotions. Uh, Of course, you know, with our former leader, the people who love her, love her very much. And the people who dislike her, you know, somehow they dislike her very much. Wow. So you have some people, you know, who really love and appreciate the work that she has done, you know, and, you know, would really want to see her do good. And you have others, uh, who really dislike no matter what, whether she do good or not, they will feel that she didn't do enough, or you know they probably blinded by their own, uh, you know their own points of view. That a lot of people felt that you know she didn't do enough or didn't de- like the job that she do done she have done. Uh, so I saw I saw both things, you know. And I saw the polarizing effect sometime, But I have to say that the people who love her love are very strong. And I saw people who dislike her, dislike her very strong on both ends, both ends of the spectrum.
1: I see, Uh, very, very interesting comments there. You have regrouped in some ways, but there are many who have expressed disappointment with regards to the grouping and they're asking what is happening to all those other former ministers and candidates they seemed to have crawled under a rock
2: yes uh from my feedback and what i'm saying you know the former candidates a lot of them they really put out in a whole lot a whole lot of time and energy in trying to work and uh, uh Honorable Hall, uh, when when a lot of people, when you know you did, uh, feel like you've done your best and somebody just rejects you, it is really hard. It's mentally hard. And a lot of times you have to step away just to get yourself. Just like if you're in a relationship and you have done everything you can for this person, you know, your husband or your wife, you have give them everything, the financial, the emotional support, Provide for all they needs to the best of your ability. Now, a next person with more money maybe could have done more. But to you, the best of your ability at that time, you have done everything that you can. And that person say, you know what? You ain't doing nothing for me. I'm going to leave you and go with this next person. It's going to hurt you. And it's going to take a time for you before you get back out there and start dating and start being out in the public. Because you're going to feel away. Because you feel that you're doing everything for this person. And you feel that, well, if I have done all this, at least, you know, I should be appreciated in some way. You know, and then for that person just to turn around and just leave you and dump you. So I feel that a lot of my former uh, former comrades felt, you know, felt that way. And they are human. Because I know, you know, I know some of them who I'm close with. I know the work that they put in and the sacrifice, you know, and I would see the stress on their face and how they really want to do good and how they were trying all their best to do as good as they can. So I get it, you know, and you know, I hope that people understand that they are human. Sometimes we look at, at politicians, at superhumans, that nothing affect us, the criticism do not affect us, uh, the things that people say, you know. Sometimes that build up. You can have a shield and you hold it up for so long. And when something like that happens, you know, it really deflates you. So I feel that we're going to hear a little bit more from them soon. But uh, a lot of them felt like, well, I have to get my, my life together, my act together, because a lot of us made a lot of sacrifices for our people. You know, I can tell you myself, you know, it's just uh, just to get your finances back together uh, because everybody has families and, you know, you want to help others, but you cannot help yourself. So a lot of times they have to take their time to just get things back in place. I can relate to both as you
1: mentioned uh, both in love and in politics. I will not emph- <laughs> <laughs> I will not emphasize much of the love side. But I've had my share of that. Uh, thankfully I have someone who love and care. Wonderful. But uh, anyway <laughs> Anyway, on the political side, man, I recall one year in Middle Caicos, And trust me, that's the year when I performed to my best. There you go. I mean, I used to visit my constituency once every month, hold town meetings every uh,
2: three months. Every three months,
1: wow. Yeah, definitely, religiously. I gave them their first paved road. I secured private ferry service for them. I paid for... Scholarship to Mrs. Allen Business College out of yes. my pocket, even when we weren't making much money. And guess what? When election came, I couldn't even get a girl, good middle Cakers to
2: vote for me. Oh, my gosh. You know, and so much. And you did that, the road. You did the first. Y-
1: yes, ma'am. That was you. Okay. Oh, yeah. First paved road they ever had from Kongba Street yes. to Larmus. Yes. That is the first election, really. Well, others I might have shed a little tear of joy, but that is one that I shed a little tear of Real disappointment, So so you know. But my mother consoled me. You know what she said? Robbie, don't worry about that. One thing, what you have in your head, nobody can Can take take that away. Yes, exactly. I thank God, and I'm using it, as you can see, in a different way now. Still serving the people. Exactly. Anyway, let's move on, our honorable Mm -hmm. leader. The question that I want to ask you, though. Because many persons out there, and I, since the pandemic, I have become almost, should I call it, hook on Facebook. Yes, yes. And I often say, as a man approaching, if not quite dear yet, my senior years, there isn't much to do in Grand Turk, and I'm awfully bored. Sometimes I ride around aimlessly at nights because I, I don't want to go to sleep early, and that sort of stuff. And uh, I would see all sorts of comments, and many of them are saying the politicians today only end the politics for money and for themselves and their family. I dispute that. Exactly. Because I know sometimes the sacrifice that people make, and despite what Integrity Commission might say and what others might say, politicians... Helped to pay people's school fees, helped to pay their light bills, and all the, sometimes neglecting their own bills.
3: Yes. I know even during my
1: day at one time I had four loans I stood at the bank when bust one time. I had to pay it back. Two of the families paid me back over a prolonged period. There's one I never got back the $2,000 and the interest that accrued. Coming almost three thousand dollars, so I know, and I could speak of that from experience. I wouldn't talk about amount of light bills I paid, and I ain't talking about light bills for women, like some people to say light bill for Dominican. (laughs) I ain't talking about that, maybe one or two, but not much. Anyway, but for
2: families, honourable, please
1: yes relate to 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 that for me. You know, I I would like you to disabuse the public of that kind of notion because I don't think it's real.
2: No, no, and I mentioned it in the House of Assembly also. Uh, that I do believe that everyone who enter enter with a good intentions to try and do things for their people. I don't think it's, you, you don't make no money. Uh, you end up giving out more than what you what you take in. You take in much, but you give out even more. And people always say, oh, the salaries and so. But I, I can say personally, uh, when I was at the hospital, I was living almost a ball of life, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hall. And I can't say that I've even been off for the last couple of years or take the children off. But when I was at the hospital, every two, two three months, I was in Miami or somewhere else, you know, having a wonderful time, uh, spending money. But it isn't what people say. And you, you may have some outliers, one or two people, every now and then, who might do something a little bit. thing. But for the most part, most politicians, are uh, their heart is in the right place that they want to serve. And where we come in criticizing them is that we think that they're doing it wrong. You know, not that their heart isn't in the right place, but they're doing it wrong. They're doing things the wrong way. We wouldn't do it that way. So when we criticize them, it's because uh, we feel that this is not the direction that they should take the country. Not that they're not trying to take the country somewhere or they're not standing up, but uh, this isn't the right way. And we criticize. But I do feel that the majority of people enter politics for the right reason. And... The things that happen in the past, it cannot happen these days. You know, there's no way it can happen these days. So most people, most if not all persons, I feel, I personally feel, especially those persons serving now, they enter for the right reasons. Now, if they continue that way and stand up and do what is required of them, what, what my problem is, sometimes after a while, people get too complacent and, you know, withdrawn and stop pushing. You know, stop pushing for their people and start, okay, I'm not gonna do this, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this for my people. They stop standing up for the people. That's when I have a problem, Mr. Hall. But not that they don't want to. I mean if you lack the motivation or lack the drive or sometimes they feel overwhelmed or the job is a little harder than what they thought it could be. Those things happen. But then I do believe that most people heart be in the right place at the beginning. Yeah one person texted me to say
1: that some TCI's don't know the meaning of gratitude. lone ungrateful. Please change the black crab mentality and let us love one another. I will uh, refer to some more of those texts yes. as we go yes. along because I always like to have the views of the people expressed. Exactly. Uh, that's democracy. It's like um, a cup Saturday. There was a demonstration downtown. Yes. Of course... I supported the beach vending bill, and still do, and I think it's a good thing, but certain things need to be tinkered. So I went to observe, and uh, of course there's a gentleman who referred, as I was passing, okay, donkey, simply because he knew my stand. But what he didn't understand is that the donkey was there to help protect his right to freedom of expressions. Yes. That I, in fact, showed it on my Facebook page. Yes, yes, she did. What they were saying. Yes. But that's life. I have broad shoulders, and trust me, I wish that gentleman nothing but the best. I I, I feel for him how his business is doing so poorly, but he needs to take the measures to get it on the right track like others are doing. But anyway, let me move on to
2: yet another Area, But before we could, can I just mention something? Yes, I came there afterwards. I don't know if I was there when you were there to stand in solidarity with those persons uh, demonstrating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I'm one of them who dislike uh, a lot of the things that were in the beach vendor bill. I thought that it was overreaching. Uh, it didn't. Fit, it, it, we wanted one problem to fix, but I felt that they ran in too much areas. And now that we're seeing a lot of the people, how their businesses are suffering, I do believe believe that some amendments should be made to that, uh, just speaking on behalf of the people. Because, of course, I'm not, uh, unlike others on the outside, Mr. Hall, I'm there to represent the views of the people. So if uh, some people in my community uh, felt like this bill isn't working for them, I have to go and listen to them and express that in the House of Assembly. That is our job. You know, not just to go in there and suggest what Edwin would think, but this is affecting the people in our community, and this is what the people in my community are saying. So I have to bring their concerns to the House of Assembly. And so I was there to support them, those business people out there Saturday, because their voice needs to be heard in the House of Assembly. I'm going to take their concerns to the House of this Assembly and to let people know that not just because the bill is passed, it is the end. Amendments happen a free house set to bills. So if there are amendments need to be made, let's point that out, let's get those amendments made so I can truly, you know, represent all the people and not, you know, not find people being felt, feel, feeling like they have been victimized by this bill. You know, so some work need to be done. And before the bill came to the House to be debated, we had pointed out some things that we know will be concerning for the people and will be hardship and all, especially dealing with the fees, all the fees that are in place. And the amount of money people have to pay out just to be operational. And I, I knew that was going to be a challenge for people. Yeah. Well,
1: I do not want in any way to steal your thunder. But I, I have to point out, like I was talking to some, a lady uh, a night ago or so about some of these very things. But in my view, in fairness... Uh, people should not complain too much about paying the fees when government grant them $3,500 in grant. Excellent. And so if one had to just take $500 out of that to pay up whatever fees, uh, you know, I, I can't understand yes. the complaint there. But anyway, I don't want to belabor yes, yes, that point. Yes. Let me just make uh, read one more comment from uh, someone who texted and said, As a politician, it's not only about doing what you're supposed to do, it's about building and maintaining a relationship with the people. You can't expect to avoid and ignore the people most of your term, and then elections say you pave road, etc., so the people shouldn't vote your backside out. Answer their calls as much as you can. Make them feel appreciated, and you will see how long they will continue to vote you in. There are other commands, but I wouldn't read the rest. I mean, not that they're negative, you know, but, yes, but yes. I'm not going to read all from one person. Yes,
2: and, and, you know, and, you know, I want our people to express that, you know, express exactly what they're feeling. And their point of view, that is the only way we can be better. Let people express uh, what they're saying. And if you feel that you're not seeing your representative, uh, it is their right to demand that they see more. And it is their right to, uh, to demand that they be accessible and not come... Uh, at uh, just during the time of election. There's a people right to express that. you know. And if that is how they feel, they must express that and let their voice be heard.
1: Yes, um, there's some other comments coming in. But let me ask you this. As an opposition, and particularly as leader of the opposition, do you think you are employing the best strategies hold the government feet to the fire as indeed that is basically part of your duty
2: there's always a better way you can always find a more effective way okay but right now what we're doing uh we didn't want just come in uh i didn't want myself to come in and just criticize for criticizing sake right you know i can argue with the best of them i can attention Mr. Speaker. You know, many times she had to put me in my place, and, honorable member, that's unacceptable. Re- re- put, you know, recant that, pull that back, withdraw that statement. So, you know, I didn't want to just come in and criticize just to be grandstand. Uh-huh. But we wanted the government to see their performance. And now that we have a body of work, what we can judge them on, now we will make our criticisms. So uh-huh. I many people might have want. to you know, the opposition to come in and just, you know, be real rambosis and uh, making a lot of noise and really getting down for everything and not agreeing. And I told people, if it's something is good for the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands, I will support the government in that, you know, because our people are hurting. And if they bring any policy, any bill that is going to advance our people, the Turks and Caicos Islands people, I will support it. I will not just reject it because they're bringing it. I would be the first one to get up and support and say, you know, I second this. This is good for the people, and I support it. But when it's not good for the people, I will not support it and be very forceful about that. And so a lot of the things uh, over the past couple of months, especially the beach vending bill, I felt that it wasn't good or in the best interest for our people, so I didn't support that. There are other things that I felt was in the best interest of our people, and I supported that, Mr. Hall. So, you know, that—that that's the approach I'm taking. And anything, I'm going to judge thing on it, everything on its merit, not disagree for disagreeing's sake. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, I would definitely say it's bad.
1: I'm going to call my technical operator to pull up a song for me, but as he gets there, perhaps I'll feel... Okay, he's right on top of it. And like I said a while ago, you know, it is your duty to hold the government's feet to the fire. Exactly. So this is what we're going to play right now. Hold your feet to the fire. <laughs> hold
0: your
4: feet to the fire. Hold your feet to the fire. Your man, they live to show what you got. You came in skinny, but now you're back. Go to market, you buy a fool. Election time, they buy a fool. Rich enough, you buy a law. Hope I watch you voting for. There's a the for you pick them too. Buy the meat, you get the fool. Election time, this ain't pretty, too. Election, nobody switched it, fool. Let's be in the fire.
1: That's what I wanted you to do On leader of the opposition, oh, hold their feet to, to the, the fire, fire. Because that's the way you would get the best out of any government. Exactly. And the fact that you all are just two in the House um, doesn't mean that you cannot be effective. I remember when there were three. Hey, let me tell you something. That three were powerful. I had no good down that road today, yes. but I remember, man, they shake up a lot of stuff, and I often refer to what happened in the Bahamas. Remember, uh, it was just four, but boy, that table has turned, eh?
2: Yes, and and just to say, uh, I'm going to say, Mr. Speaker, again, you know, uh, even inside the house, that that is the way we feel. Uh, there's no intimidation. There's no nothing. Uh, you know, 14 to 1, 15 to 2, uh, we still feel like we get the advantage to be honest. You know, we, <laughs> that that is how we feel. I won't go into details. Oh, but, but, but I really want you explain that
1: to me. Explain that to me, man. Mm-hmm. Come on, because um, that, that's a sort of a new mathematical formula there. <laughs> you
2: 15 to 2, you still feel you have the advantage. Yes, I, I feel, you know, it, it is like if you're playing a sport and you're saying, well, uh, it's 15 persons over there and it's 8 of us. And we say, well, Brother Hall, you know you're capable of holding eight or nine of these guys you know you can hold eight or nine yourself and you say well brother Oswald, you can hold ten or so nine or ten so if you can hold eight or nine yourself and i can hold even up to ten you say well hell sorry about that sorry about that well, was kind of the reality. yes yeah. well we get the advantage even though they get the numbers but we get the advantage because i can come back ten i can hold off ten and get room to hold off one more. And you can hold off nine, ten, or the same amount and get room. So we have the advantage, you know. It only comes with the structure of the House of Assembly when speaking. So uh, somebody have to speak first, and you have 14 or 15 persons from the other side to speak. So it's just the structure of the debates that have it looking like that. But we feel that when we get up, you know, we can hold our own and hold And, you know, I take this eight, you take this eight, and we get there.
1: Oh, boy, I tell you. Well, anyway, I visit the house from time to time, and I'm I'm really going to see how that works. Yes. All right? Uh, I'm going to ask just one more question before we open the phone lines, because like I said, for every show, that is a very, very important segment. Yes, yes. To hear the voice of the people. Yes. And And the same way the governing side and the ministers need to hear the voice of the people, uh, the opposition who is actually part of governance. Yes. But people don't always understand that. That is why sometimes I would say PDM-led government or PNP-led government. But anyway, as an opposition, you are supposed to be the government in waiting. Yes. Can you honestly say that the opposition is ready for that mammoth task? If elections were to be called tomorrow, are you ready for governance?
2: It is two ways to answer that question. Uh, In terms of being able to run the country, in terms of direction, in terms of getting its goals right, in the position that we want to take the country into the future, yes, we're ready. But in terms of putting the candidates out there, getting each candidate for each constituency, And having them in place, that is the part that we are not ready on. The actual physical being ready for an election and person casting a vote for a particular candidate. But in terms of the policy direction, where we want to take the country, the things that we want to see our people achieve, how we want to represent our people, you know, how our people, how we want our people to be... uh, You know, the owners of the Turks and Caicos Islands, all with all those things, all the policies and procedures like that. Yes, we are ready. But in terms of the electoral process, that is the thing that we are not ready for. But in terms of running the country and spearheading the country, Mr. Speaker, sorry, Honorable Hall, Honorable Hall, I do believe that we have that in place. We know where we want to take the country. We know what the people are saying now. And we know the mistakes of the past. And we know what we need to do to correct them. And we know how to advance the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands into the next 10 years and beyond. Honorable Leader, I must say,
1: you know, I admire your honesty. Because there are others who would have said, oh, yeah, we're ready. We've got candidates to main hall line, blah, 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 even though it isn't so. Yes. I, I really appreciate your honesty. And let me take this opportunity to say this and I mean it most sincerely, and I've said it on my shows before, even in the House of Assembly right now, there is a different atmosphere. Yes. I'm not going to go into the details as to the pros and the cons, because, you know, my thing is not to belittle anyone. I understand. And although uh, the leader, f- the, the former premier and I had, say, some differences, and people felt like I had bitterness, the, the truth about it, I love the lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, and uh, I've yeah. often said, I mean, it's a historic f- fact, she shattered the glass ceiling. She will always be the first female elected as premier, no matter oh, who yes. comes and does it again. That's in the history book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I often joked, and perhaps this is why we should get along even better. She had to call one of my brothers, the late boy Hall, uncle. Okay. So, like, you know, as, as if we shared somebody, you yes. know what I mean? And so, anyway, let me just say good morning, then, to the Honorable Charlene Cartwright-Robinson and to her husband, Lorne, and uh, the entire family, wherever they are, wishing them nothing but the
2: best. And I will share that also, yeah. express that. Because, because, that because like
1: I always say, you know, for me, I harbor no grudges, no hurt. And if the good Lord should call me even now, there will be no one that I have any ill feelings stored up in my heart for.
2: That never, is the never, best never way call. to be. Oh, yeah. That is the best way to be.
1: We've come at that moment right now that we're going to open the phone lines and uh, let the calls rip. I am not going to be taking any calls on my personal phone during this period. So please call in one 900 You should have gotten accustomed to that number by now one 900 let us see who will be first, lady or gentleman. And, and Please, honorable leader, go ahead.
2: And it's all I want the people to ask the tough questions, you know. Uh, the c- tough, uh, con- controversial questions, ask it. Yes, whatever. Know. Yes. That's right.
1: Whether it's a bouncer or a googly, yes. or to use a cricket term, let it rip. Yes, good
2: or bad. <laughs> okay. For this is some more praise, you know, let yes. it come. Yes,
1: yes, man that's the way it ought to be uh do we have our first caller for the morning yes caller go right ahead this is expressions the people's program morning Mr Hall good morning and how are you I know that familiar voice
5: yeah I'm all right, I'm all right. morning mr Oswald. good morning
2: good morning to you
5: uh this Fergus mr Oswald, you know you are the spotlight in, in politics now you have a big role to play. I just call them to encourage you, and please don't be like the former our uh, representative from North Alexandria, the Charles Foster Please do do different than him. The people of North show up, around your neighborhood, let your people see you. Because because we know we put you there, and we why we put you there. If it wasn't for the people of North Buxton, you
0: know,
5: would have been all whitewash. So, Mr. Alfred, I just encouraging you to do your best, be around your people, because you the people put you there, and we put you there for representation. So, when it ain't going right, you can hear from me. When it's going right, I can give you your credit. Have a nice day.
2: Thank you very much. And. Uh, Mr. Hall, I do appreciate people like that, Uh, Mr. Williams. uh, Like he said, and it's true, if something isn't right, he will point it out. You know, if it's good or bad, he's going to tell you you're doing good or you're messing up. And he's going to be the first one to call you and tell you you're messing up. And he's not going to say it in those nice terms. It's going to be some adjective to describe how you're messing up. And you have to appreciate that. And I must say, you know, I will take his advice. His advice is right. You have to show up. The people put you there, and you have to represent them. So his advice is true, not just for me. I'll take it right now, but it's for all politicians, everyone who is elected, that you have to show up. You have to be there. And sometimes you may have other things that is keeping you away, but you have to suppress that and put that aside. Look, these are my bosses. And you have to remember, who's your boss? The people is your boss. Not someone sitting up at Waterloo, not someone sitting at the premier's office or the leader or anyone else. The people is your boss. They can give you your job, and they can take away your job. So we have to be accountable to them. And myself and all our other politicians, if we're not doing it, we have to do more. We have to show up more, and we have to be present more. The people are our boss.
1: You know, as you talk about Fuggy and his colorful languages <laughs> language, it reminds me of something, and I know Fuggy don't mind because he's a guy, you know he, yes, yes, he just roll with the punches exactly. And I must say, we have always been close. Um, uh, when I was in government, many times he was the fellow who would go to the bank, change checks for me, run errands, and always honest. Yes. never, never would take a dollar or anything like that. I mean, I give him that any any day, but I remember the an incident. And he was a good athlete, pretty good sprinter. And we're gearing up for Carifta. No doubt he, w- he was going to be on the Carif- Carifta team. But like you said, man, he like used them colourful ad- adjective. And imagine I was there watching them in training and hear him use this ten, as the old, people, old, old folks would say, that ten pound word. Ten pound. <laughs> and I just say, Foggy, hey, you're banned from going to Carifta. <laughs> I mean. When I look back, that might have been a harsh one, but I wanted to set the tone because I'm saying, hey, if you could do this here, I wonder what you do elsewhere. Yes. But, I mean, uh, he's a guy that I like. Yes. And I'll say this way, he, whatever the situation is, if I go somewhere and whatever it is, he has my back, and uh, wherever it's possible, he knows I have his back. And, and I, just want to,
2: I just want to add this, Mr. Hall. He before.
1: loves, loves his community and is active in the parent-teachers association and so on. I give him his yes. dues, man. Yes.
2: Come on. And... You know, uh, and I want people to see uh, how Mr. Williams does it. It's the best way to criticize. He criticized out of love for you to do better, not to pull you down. He criticized to make you do better. And you can appreciate that. Any criticism that uh, is there to make you perform better or do better is always welcome.
1: Yes. Don't forget now, the number to call is one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. 2222 7 Let the calls keep coming in. the honourable leader of the opposition has told you, uh, don't feel any way about it. Just simply let it rip, whether it's tough, whether it's uh, um, complimentary or otherwise. Or
2: criticism, you know. This is the only way we can get better, Mr. Hall. You know, and I hoping that we get to touch on, you know, the COVID situation, you know, in our discussions, and so, you know. Yeah,
1: Mr. Uh, uh, leader of the Opposition, this commend came from you, I wouldn't tell you it came from, but she says, I love you and today more uh, may you continue this tone in the house. You may be surprised who love you and who will love you.
2: I really appreciate those words, really appreciate those words. And whenever you get a chance to answer that person, whoever they it is, tell them, I really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart.
1: Well, I have no doubt <laughs> that person is listening. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks ever so much the number to call one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. 7 if you're slow on calling hey then don't criticize me for constantly talking that's what yes. some of you say I use up a whole lot of the time but the show must go on and I have I always have questions
2: yes and again I always have comments They're absolutely absolutely
1: now How would you critique the performance of this government? And when we consider the fact that they are fast approaching their first anniversary, perhaps this is the right time to do that.
2: Yes. Uh, Mr. Hall, I'm not being uh, political here. I cannot give them a high grade from what I see. No,
1: but no. You do not have to apologize to say don't be political, because everything is political. Yes, well, that's true. Even if you don't want to be partisan,
2: but, you know, come on, come on. Yes, it is, uh, you know, I cannot give them a high grade. I was disappointed. You know, I had expected more uh, in the first year. You know, I figured that by year two or three, we would see exactly like the work is too hard for them. But I didn't expect it to happen in the first few months, that I see uh, the lack of direction uh, falling down on a lot of key issues representing the people. Uh, and when it came to the handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, I really feel that leadership is absent throughout government, not just the Minister of Health. You need the Minister of Finance. You need the Minister of Education. You need all hands on board to handle the pandemic. The Minister of Health may be the face and the premier, but you need all hands on deck. And I feel that decisions are being made too late after the horse is out of the gate. And especially when you have all the tools, when you have all the information and all the data. It's not like two years ago that no one in the world knew what was happening and you had to make things, you know. Uh, as it goes, you get the information come out. You're waiting on the trials, this trial to complete. You're waiting on CDC to approve this. You're waiting on these tests to be available. You're waiting on that to be available. you waiting on oxygen. Everything, just about everything is available. Information and technology is available now. And we're seeing the performance not up to speed. And it seems like more people are dying than now more frequent than what it was at the beginning of the pandemic, the dark ages of the pandemic, I like to call it, when people were in the dark. And that is why I have to rate them very bad, you know, uh, D minus. You know, I have to rate, rate them a D minus.
1: D minus. Yes. Boy, you're a teacher. You have been <laughs> yes. hard marker there, rough. Yes. Uh, in my teaching career, not too many times I give D minus. Yes. Oh, boy, that's and, a rough
2: one. And when but I... Sorry. When I talk about leadership, also, Mr. Hall, you know, you're a sportsman, and any sportsman know, if you're the leader of the team, the captain of the team, and any one of the players or teammates does something, the captain has to stand up first and come and present, okay, this is what has went wrong. Take the responsibility. I will have to deal with that team member, ask the coach to sort him out or whatever, or I'll put him in time, timeout, put him on the bench, and, you know, but so leadership must lead. You cannot say, well, is that play a fault or so? You know, it all boils back to leadership uh, at both levels. Before you go on to
1: other areas of uh, criticisms, yes, so to speak, um, is there a call? No. Uh, with regards to the handling of the pandemic, yes. in the past week or so, we have seen a zigzag up and down, but alarmingly large numbers of positive cases. Some members of the public who are calling for curfew and other measures. How differently would you have dealt with that than what the present government is
2: doing? Well, uh, one of the first major things of the pandemic is you do not want to see people lose their lives. That's the main thing. The secondary is the spread. People can become positive or so. But the first thing, you have to prevent people from losing their lives, what we're seeing too much of. And, sorry, I'm I'm going to continue saying it. Forgive me, Mr. Speaker. That's (laughs) all right. Mr. Speaker, uh, there there are a number of things available to prevent people losing their lives now. You have the uh, pharmaceuticals, the Pfizer pills. You take uh, 30 and five days. Uh, And you have the monoclonal antibodies. Those things are available. Okay, we can go to a call. I'll come back to that point.
1: Uh, Caller, if you're there, go right ahead. Welcome to Expressions, the people's program.
3: Yeah, sorry. uh, That had uh a... Cut in Honourable. Pleasant. Good morning to you, Mr. All people of the Turks and Caicos, and our opposition leader of the PDM. Pleasant. Good morning, mr Honourable Asad. How are you doing? Hope all is well with you and family, and so on. Uh, I can say, you know, one thing about you: you're you're, you're a sharp shooter, you know, and you you got a talk back like a lag ahead, you know, and you you can take licking, but you always keep on taking. So I. Uh, I always like, when you mostly, especially health, the health issues in the Turks and Caicos Island. You have done a good job uh, being the Minister of Health because you work in the, the area. And when you give a position to a person that never worked in that field, you know, if someone is an architect and you give him a mechanic job, exactly. you know, it's kind of a difficult for him to function unless he be trained for that. But, you know, of your, your experience, and that's why the people had elected you again. It might feel bad, uh, the uh, 14 to 1, but let me tell you something. You remember the parable with Jesus? How much 9 he, he, he helped and he gave? Only one come back and say thanks to you, the one. So God bless you. Keep up the good work and look out for the future because God knows why he chose you to be the leader. And uh, just keep your, not your fingers crossed, just keep hope for the next general election if we live to
1: see it. God bless.
2: Thank you very much, Kola.
1: Thank you, Briscoe. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but uh, 14 to 1, but it could have been worse. And I say that against the background.
2: Barbados. Remember,
1: Barbados did it a second time round, 30-0. Grenada did it three times, two times consecutively. Clean sweep. Yes. Yes. But like Briscoe said, you know, God has his way of doing things. Yes. And he knows why he preserved you for this moment and why you were able to sit here and we can have this dialogue. Yes.
2: And before I continue what I was saying, Mr. Hall, I want to touch on something that he's saying. Mm-hmm. And I always say, as a minister, you need to be jack of all trades, but master of some, not master of none. Okay. You need to be a jack of all trades, yes, but you have to master something. Okay. You have to be a master of some. You can't be a master of none. And you cannot be just a master and don't know one or two and don't know other things. So you have to be a jack of all trades to be a minister and a master of some. Like like he was saying, if an architect, you know, if an architect come inside of here... And we start telling the architect, look, you have to put that beam this way and that way. What the architect will look at us, no, 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 that can't work. Sorry, I know you are my advisors. I know you are director or whatever or, you know, supervisor of this, but... What you're saying is wrong. Come back to me and don't say that. I'm not going to go on the radio and tell the people this because I know that is incorrect. That doesn't make any sense. So let's go back to the drawing board. Let's have a next meeting, get the information and present it because I know what you're telling me is not correct. And that is when you're master of something, you can send people back and say, no, I'm not accepting this. I'm not going to just take what the people uh, under me are saying. You have to be able to question that and question it with knowledge before you come to the people and tell the people your decision on things. Thank you much. The number to call is one nine hundred
1: twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. 2222 7 I suppose, should I conclude, that you are so comfortable and content with me asking the questions and the kind of answers the leader is giving, why you are not calling, I wonder. But anyway, I'm going to allow the Honorable Leader of Opposition to go back to his critiques. Yes. Of the government and its performance. Yes, go right and, ahead. And
2: so I was saying, the first thing is to save lives during during this pandemic. And now we have tested, proven, and tested methods. We have the Pfizer pills, thirty and five days. You take three a every five hours uh, if you're positive and you're sixty or over. Or so, and you have the monoclonal antibodies that you can just get infused one time and done. Uh, Mister Spe- Mister Speaker, if you remember, Mister Hall, if you remember, uh, when Donald Trump got sick when he was president, and this before the technology was right out. He took those monoclonal antibodies, and the next day he was giving a speech because he's over 65. And they know, okay, if you're, you're the president, uh, you're 65 and over, come and take this monoclonal antibodies. and you, That 90% chance that you will not progress to getting sick or need hospitalization. That is available real, almost everywhere in Florida. If you're 60, I think it's 60 and over, or you have any underlying conditions, and you get a positive COVID-19 test, all you have to do is go to one of those centers, present your positive uh, results, and it's free of charge. You get your monoclonal antibodies or your course of pills, and you're okay. It's
1: FDA approved?
2: Yes, it is FDA approved. Uh, and
1: are you insinuating it's not available in TCI and ought to be?
2: It, it should have been. This is one year, uh, this is year and a half that that technology has been out. Uh, and right now, we have to look at all those methods. And we don't have millions of people where you have to spend millions of dollars on this. We have a small population, and uh, we should have that available. It's too much people dying. Too much of our valuable citizens, our valuable family members members are dying. When we know if these persons get a positive result, we either give them the pills or we give them the monoclonal antibodies, and that 90% chance will stop them. That should be the first uh, Thing of the government, the first mandate to stop our people from dying. You know, and we had young and old people, young people with underlying conditions, and elderly people who immune system or they have some other conditions that uh, cause them to progress to this point. And it's a shame, and I'm sorry for those families that we're seeing this happen. And when there's something in place that have been tested, and like I said, in 2020, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, he even self did it, took those monoclonal antibodies. And the second have to be with containing the spread you know what works and you know what do not work you know we we have years of information we know what works in our communities and what do not work. Uh, we know that in twenty twenty uh, going into the Christmas uh, we had the the virus down to almost no cases, zero cases, three cases this day, four cases this day. And we know what happened once we start seeing the parties during that Christmas time, January coming into the election, the cases went up. So we know the events and the things that happen that make the cases go up. And I always believe in compliance, ensuring compliance to rules. You know, I don't like the idea of, you know, locking down people, but I'm very strong on compliance. You know, and that is the things that is lacking, that you, uh, the government isn't moving fast to get these things in place to prevent people from dying and the methods that have been proven in our situation uh, to stop the spread. And to hear uh, after we had a budget uh, and a supplementary that we do not have any staff. You know this is still. You see, we had the Cuban staff, and now we have to ex- expand them again. The Cuban staff was dear just to be a cushion until we get those same people. We have 19 people from Cuba, health professionals from Cuba here, and that was just supposed to be a cushion to tie us off until we can get the money, we can go through the budgetary process and bring in our own staff, recruit our own people. And after all that, after coming into power, after having a budget, having a supplementary, and we are hearing that we do not have the health staff in place uh, to come back this. Uh, And not just the professional staff, the staff to do uh, the statistics, the staff to do contact tracing, uh, the staff to do testing, uh, all all the staff, the staff to monitor, the staff to even sort of answer the phones because people are complaining that they sometimes they cannot get the number they call over and over. And that is not me saying that. The staff to put out numbers, the staff. So those staff that you can recruit here, not just the ones, the professionals. And we are hearing now that these things are not in place. After you know that they should have been in place and we had ample opportunity to put them in place, a budget and a supplementary have passed. I sort of glossed over it, but I'm
1: concerned with regards to one of the statements you made about the various tablets that are now available. One was given to Trump and so on and so on. I have tried not to get too much into this whole COVID debates and plans because I tend to want to leave it to the scientists. And uh, where I get a little weary there because, you see, in human life, everyone has an expiry date. Yes. We don't know what that date is. And sometimes, I would hazard a guess, pill or no pill, or whatever there is, when that time comes, it comes. But I'm not saying that to say absolve any government of responsibility for doing what they can to preserve lives, because oh, yes. constantly we hear them talking about <coughs> lives over livelihood, you yes. know.
2: But I was just a little bit yes. concerned, I was pondering over that aspect. Yes, and and the next thing, I, I do see what you're saying, Honorable uh, Hall, but also uh, if if we are in the boat and you know sharks are in the water, you're not going to tell me go jump in the water and swim, even though you say, well, if it's not your time to die, you should be okay. You know, I feel it doesn't work like that because I know if I jump in that water at that particular time, or you do not put me in a safety uh, cage while I'm swimming with the sharks, I will die. I cannot go down there and say, well, if it's my time to die, let me just jump in and so would it be. Whatever happens, happens. You still have to protect put on the protective gear, go in that cage before you go in the sea and swim with sharks. But, you know, that is my take on that. I do understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I have a different take. You know, I feel that even though you can say when your time comes, it comes, but you shouldn't do nothing to speed it up or speed up somebody else's chance of reaching to that point when their time comes. Yeah. You know? Anyway, <laughs> as, a, as a former fisherman, I wouldn't take you up on that with yes. sharks. Yes. <laughs> but, but, <anyway. laughs> but one of the other concerns I have... Yes. Uh, Honorable Hall is this thing with vaccines. Uh, A lot of people do not want to touch on it, you know. And, you know, I was the first poster boy for promoting vaccines here. And I do believe that anybody with any underlying conditions or at a certain age, you should take it. Now, if you want to charge your immune system and feel that your immune system is supercharged, you know, it should be a right to say, well, I will trust my abilities and my immune system. I have a right to trust that. And I do believe in people's rights. Now, I'm a big proponent. If you're sick, you're this age, you're that age, you want to prevent, you take the vaccine. But forcing vaccines on people, you know, I do not agree with that. I do not agree with forcing people to take things. God himself made salvation free. He didn't say, you have to believe in my son. He presented son. This is my beloved son of who I am much pleased now, either you accept them or you do not accept them. And if God Himself can give man choice, who are we to take choice away from man? That, let me ask the question
1: with, uh, with regard to the element of forcing people. What difference there is between this government's policy and yours? Yes. Just juxtapose the two for me. Yes.
2: Uh, what we did, we made vaccines available, and we had become. Uh, Campaigns to encourage people to take it. Not saying that uh, if you do not have a vaccine, you cannot go in this place. There wasn't nothing like that in place, that you cannot go to a restaurant if you're not vaccinated, if you cannot go to a church if you're not vaccinated. So we didn't have any of those things in place. And also what wasn't in place also was uh, the stuff where when you come in here, if you're vaccinated, you do not have to take a test. You're fully exempted. You can just go off can pick up whatever you want to pick up, come back home and go about your business. None of that was in place. You had to get a PCR test within five days. That is what was in place. So I remember uh, last week on a press conference, the Minister of Health said a lot of the things that uh, is in place here now was the things that I left in place. And I was like, real honorable minister, you shouldn't say that because this can be easily proven. You can just look at the... The mandates at that time, we would look at what it is now, and see it's completely different. Even with the schools and uh, those things being fluctuating throughout the the year, you know. So the, those are some of the main things in terms of vaccines that are not that were not in place, and that persons must take it in order to work here. Now, you know, that is one thing. If you want to say that is a part of your work permit uh, profile, of people coming in, you know, of course you don't want people coming in without the the vaccine or so. You know, or out of being tested. But I mean, it shouldn't be. You should encourage some of the things you should encourage people to take. And I dislike how we're following the rest of the, uh, the U.S. and the U.K. I shouldn't say other places because some places have it, that we are disregarding natural immunity. Honorable Hall, if you were had COVID-19 and you recover and you barely get sick, that means your immunity is strong. So that should have come for something probably even stronger than us who had uh, the double vaccine and the booster so if we're saying that you need uh, to be vaccinated telling us that we need to have a defense in our body to fight this virus well you acquire acquire it naturally we acquire it artificially so why are we discriminated against you who was positive, recovered, your body did what it's supposed to do that God had intended it to do to fight that virus, produce antibodies, but we're discriminating against you because you didn't take the vaccine, but you have the antibodies. The, the whole thing is to have a defense in your body. That's, that's what the antibody is supposed to be giving you. And we're seeing now that that isn't working because people who had the the first shot, had the booster had both shots and had the booster are still catching it and transferring it so as a scientist you have to question the data now at first we were telling people that this will protect them this will prevent you from spreading the virus now we're seeing difference the true picture is that we're seeing people even here we will hear that they had both of their vaccines but they wasn't boosted they didn't have to boost it so what you're saying that the two vaccines do not work Uh, And we're hearing of people who are vaccinated, both vaccines, and boosted, and still die. So something is wrong. You have to look, as a scientist, you have to look at what is occurring. You cannot look on all news. So something is wrong. So if we're requiring people to have the vaccine, if if it's not protecting them, uh, not working for most people, something, you have to adjust what you're saying. But isn't it a fact also, though?
1: that the majority of people who are dying here as well as worldwide
2: are the unvaccinated people a lot of the unvaccinated yes and again uh, like i said if you know your immune system your immune compromised or you're over a certain age you shouldn't you should take that and i would encourage everyone to take it if they know that they're over a certain age and they cannot crash the, uh com- uh depend on their immune system or they have underlying conditions. You need that extra push, you know, to take it. But you cannot tell me. Uh, let, me let me give you this example, Honorable Hall, and you're gonna I'm going to understand. I want to train you to fight. Uh, it's two things. I can bring a dead body here, which is uh, some vaccines are an active virus, and tell you, okay, learn how to fight a human against that, that dead body. Or I can bring a piece of the body, like the mRNA. This is a piece of human. Learn what this piece of the human is subject to. Create a defense against this piece of the human. Or I can bring a real human to you and say, learn how to fight that human. Which one do you think you will be more uh, uh, more capable of fighting a human in the later run when you pres- when it present to you? Uh, if you learn how to fight a human against a dead body, against a piece of body, human body or if you learn how to fight a real human and all his spectacular uh, pride and glory skills and everything so when you get it naturally when you have acquired immunity naturally that is very very good but it's just that some viruses are so strong that it it overwhelms our system and we are not able to uh, fight it off enough we do not have enough time to fight it off before it makes us sick so if you can have both I mean it's ideal but more, many of the people and why a lot of young people do not progress to being sick because their body pre, uh, responds right away. They have the antibodies made right away. So when the, the enemy is coming, the enemy virus is coming, their body is subject to it, they can pre, produce right away. But the rest of us, many of us who are over a sudden age or have underlying conditions, when we are presented with an army, it overwhelms us. Before we can leave, so make a response. And once it overwhelms our body, we, things begin to break down and we become sick. And that's why if you take the pills or so, it's a nice thing to kill off some of that enemy that is coming. Kill off, uh, you take the monoclonal antibodies that help you in fighting while your body is ramping up uh, that production. So we cannot discredit natural immunity. Natural immunity is very important. And the U.S. and the U.K. is discrediting it. Other places in Europe, they're saying, okay, either you need... Uh, a negative test or you show proof that you had the virus before. You know, they, they are using it, natural immunity. You show proof that you were infected and you recover. Recovery. Show proof of recovery, you can enter because we know you have that in your body. But the U.S. and the U.K. is discrediting anything about natural immunity, and that is alarming to me as a scientist. I want to
1: remind my listeners that my guest today is the leader of the opposition, the Honorable. Edwin Astwood, and uh, for the last hour and about forty minutes, we have been having a very interesting dialogue with a few calls. Um, I would like if you would utilize the next fifteen minutes for calls. Of course, I have perhaps endless questions that I could ask, but I would want you to ask yours. The number to call is one nine hundred twenty-two twenty-two zero zero seven. You have levied several criticisms against the government with regard to the handling of COVID. Yes. but uh, And not that I'm in a hurry to move no, on. No, no, that's okay. But I just want to provide you an opportunity, mm-hmm. if there are other areas of weaknesses in this government uh, uh, that you wanted to highlight, or on the other hand, if there are some aspects that you want to compliment them for, whatever it is, you know, feel free to do so, sir.
2: Yes, I, I will start with a complimentary part. I do see it being advertised uh, that the construction summit. I must congratulate the minister who's con- who's doing that. Uh, I don't know the outcome, but just taking this first step is very good, and I think it's very needed. You know, uh, we wanted to do that. Uh, of course, I would like to see that done. That uh, the honourable Musgrove, uh, he is conducting. He's going around the country, uh, conducting these summits, and I have to commend. You know, it is a good step. You know, and I cannot criticize that. Now let me see the execution. Now if something goes wrong, and he knows, I'll be the first one to criticize. But right now I have to thank him for even so doing this attempt and trying to get it done. But the criticism, Mr. Hall, secondly, is with the response to crime. We have a right as citizens to live in a a society that we feel safe. And right now our people on just about all our islands are not feeling safe. And persons may say, "Well, Ray, the people in Solke must be feel safe." No, the people do not. They do not have a police presence. And for the life of us, of us, you know, we've been trying, trying. I myself personally have been trying to get a police put there. You know, but uh, these communities need police. And what we're seeing happening in our larger population the islands, Grand Turk and Pravo, most especially, you know, is unbecoming. It's very alarming. Uh, the level of brazen crimes that we're seeing now, daylight, with people around, uh, just out in the open, that was unheard of in the Turks and Caicos Islands, you know, Mr. Hall. I'm very concerned about crime here in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And while the elected government isn't directly responsible for crime, but we must have a policy in place that we can direct and get do more, give more. Now, we did a lot. We, have a, we had a 12-point plan under the former PDM administration. And we did a lot of the things in that plan. Now you can say well the plan didn't work, did work, well it remains to be seen. But you must build on those things. You cannot just say well this doesn't work. Well we had a plan. What is the plan? What is the approach? At least put something out there and try. You may not succeed in everything, but the government need to have a plan of addressing crime. And as it come out what and you need to make changes, make changes. Come to the people. Well, we're thinking on doing this. We don't need to know all the technical, technical information, but we need to know the general direction. And since this wave of crime being taking place, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a uh, leadership in crime and saying we're going to do this, we're going to try that. We have this policy. We're going to put in these measures. Uh, Mr. Hall, we have things, technologies out there that even if you use using masks, uh, they can... Uh, see what is behind the mask, you know, to go between that and see the facial features and make out that person. Those technologies are available, so we need to hear a lot more things. And this is where the government part come in. Yes, the police is technical, but the direction and providing the resources and other things, that is the mandate of the government. Leave the technical uh, measures to the police. We know we do not control that, but other things we must put in place. And I'm not seeing that leadership. I am not saying that. I don't want to
1: hammer the point, but there seemed to be confusion as to whether there really was a 12-point plan or not. Because if my memory serves me right, I think the former premier, prime premier, yes, at some stage said that the government did not have a 12-point plan, as if that was just some suggestions in the PDM's uh-huh. manifesto. Um, But anyway, like I said, I I don't want to hammer the point, but it stands out somewhere in my memory. Yes. and And, um, But at the end of the day, and you rightly said that, crime, law and order falls on the remit of the governor. Yes. And like I've said many times before, so whichever government, PNP, PDM, they could mainly make suggestions, provide the resources, um, you know, through the legislature... And the like. And then it's left to the governor and those. And I've had some suggestions made to him. I have made some in a dialogue that I had. I haven't really followed up because, like I said, he is so strong-headed and opinionated. Um, One of those suggestions that I thought would have worked, and I've seen it worked elsewhere, that we should have virtually cordoned off certain areas, go through the particularly providential, is area by area, flush out the illegals, flush out the guns. He told me then, uh, what we want is like a military state, and that can't happen. Yes. And then furthermore said, well, what we want, we can't afford. Yes. I mean, that turned me off completely. But I noticed the other day they did a similar exercise in parts of our town our dockyard, with the assistance of helicopters and, uh, and what have you. And that's the kind of proactive approach we should be taking. I even said to him, if I had it to do with, I would list perhaps a dozen targets in Provo that are likely to be targets for robbery. Have undercover individuals posted. You see, because what happens, you'll hear, okay, this place was broken in. Then police, sirens, Russian going there, that criminal done gone through the bush. You know... It should have been cases where, with all these supposed to be CCTV, helicopter, and what else you call them? drones, something should be dispatched to the area and track wherever that individual is going. I just can't understand it. The thing ain't working, it's out of hand.
2: Yes. Okay. Uh, I want to come in here, but I get to touch on two things. Yes, uh, just to recap, Mr. Hall, uh, we did have a 12-point plan, and if you go through the manifesto, and I can do it with anyone, uh, we can see the things of that 12-point plan that was put in place and active. I think about <clears throat> 10 of those 12, of the 12-point plans were put in place, and that can be proven. It's not my word. You can look at the 12-point no, no, plan. No, I'm, I'm really not contradicting yes. you, you know, uh, yes. Honorable
1: Astor. What I was saying is, and it's like a thin line. Yes. If and I do not want to be unfair to anybody, yes. including the former premier, but I am all but certain that she had said that government did not have a twelve-point plan. It was as if, well, the party had, which is
2: slightly. Yes, I different. see what you're saying. I yeah. see what you're saying. Okay, good. So, but e- and even so, that a lot of those things that was listed as the party's twelve-point plan. A lot of those things were approved, and we can, you know, on a future show, you know, I can bring the manifesto, and we can go through them, and I can show you well this has been achieved, this is in place, Mm -hmm. this was put in place, Mm -hmm. so that can be done. And the next thing, you know, I have to disagree with you on uh, when you said uh, things should be left to the governor. I I know that they have to do that, but I don't think politicians should just leave it to the governor. No, we have to ensure that these certain things happen because this is our people, this is our communities. And we should just not say we want this, we want to see this in place and just say, hallelujah, anyhow, we'll leave it to the governor. I know that isn't what you meant, you know, but I have to take it on this way in the spirit of debate. You know, yes, It, well, no it, it shouldn't be left to the governor. We no need to ensure that these things are in place, that we know can work. Now, if they feel that it cannot work, they need to come back to us and say, well, what, what your government is suggest- suggesting cannot be in place. And this is the reason why. And we cannot just leave it so, we can no, no, this is what the people are saying that they need. We are representing the people, and the people want this to be in place. So let's find a way to put it in place, not leave it to the governor. I will never leave something up to the governor when it comes to our people. We need to get it in place. And one of the suggestions that I would give is going into the communities. We should have satellite police stations in the communities that those police, dear can know each and every one of the citizens. You know, community policing. and to them. Hey, guys, you know, I hope you all ain't doing nothing tonight. Hey, you know, we're watching you all. Be there as a part of the community, not, you know, away from the community. You remember uh, back in the day uh, here in Grand Tech, if you hear this kind of crime, you say, okay, I know that is, you know, that, that's, that's Robbie Hall there, you know. Mm-hmm. If you hear somebody came in and take a DVD or something, ah, that's Eddie, you know, let me go look for him and tell him return it and then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. thingam. You know, if you hear this happening, you know exactly who to look for because you know the guys. You know, so we need to get the police back into the communities to prevent those things from happening. I appreciate what you said uh, in terms of uh, apprehension. Yes, that that is needed. But we need to start at prevention and get that community policing going. Get those satellite stations and q uh, yeah. So have satellite stations there, and people who those persons in the community feel safe and talking to feel they can trust. Uh, this person look like me? He, he worked here. He worked right in my community, so I can go to him. Hey, you know these guys planning something? You know this is happening. You know this took place last night. Uh, these guys trying this young kid. is out of school. You need to see why he is in the school. Uh, this is happening, in this house. You need to see that, and they will know these people. So we need to get the community, the police in the community. You know, yes, we, we know we need to do a lot with apprehension and detection. That goes without saying. But we need to get at the root of the problem, get those police in those communities and see what is needed. And those police can now direct policy. They can say, well, you know, we have almost 80 children here not going to school. We have 70 young men just sitting underneath the street, nothing to do. We have these elderly people who try and get nothing, but they trying to make a way, you know, so they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So once the police is there, they can come to us, and now we can direct policy to root out the, and stem out and deal with the root of these problems, Mr. Hall, I feel.
1: We're getting almost out of time, just another seven minutes to go. It's funny how yes. time slips away. And I'm sure you, as well as I, would be grateful if there are other members of the community who want to call in? Uh, if so, please do so right now because yes. we're getting out of time. Number to call is one 7 But let me ask you a couple questions in the meantime. Yes. Uh, your government did make some suggestions about constitutional advancement. I got the impression like there was some sort of response from the United Kingdom, and I recall the former premier saying like at some time or another yeah she would report to the nation but she wanted to brief the then leader of the opposition on it yes but elections were called and we didn't hear anything yes do you have any insight as to what the response of the united kingdom government was and then let me say this because this government has been in power close to a year and frankly as far as i am concerned let me speak for me I haven't heard enough on this subject of constitutional advancement. Because, you see, we talk again about the governor and his uh, responsibility. And this is all tied in with the Constitution. I always argue that the local elected officials have an awful amount of responsibilities, but very little authority. Two different things.
2: Very much so. Uh, Just to say uh, what derailed us with the many of the countries being closed down and not being able to access the UK during the time, pandemic time. You know, not to say that's an excuse, but that was the reality at that time. Uh, many of the countries where we wanted to go up there and advance these things to the UK, of course, you would know you would have had the then leader of the opposition, the Honorable Mizzic and the former Premier Honorable Shalane Cartwright robinson who would have to be leading on this. But at that time, uh, during our tenure, they were not able to physically go because of the pandemic. And uh, we have a call. Uh, since then, uh, I know that things have been put in place. The now, Premier, have been in contact with me and my role as the leader of the opposition to get this ruling So I must say, okay. We have a call. A call to go right ahead.
5: Yes, Mr. Hawes. Mr. Hall, it's it's all about your community being together. Um, take, for instance, the police, right? The police need help from your community, the people that listen in your community to help this crime situation goes on. Because you have a whole lot of people that leave from a community and come and other people's community and commit crime. If the people themselves help the police. The police can't do it by themselves. As the people help the police, we, we will get grand go down. If you see strangers in your community, I think you should be police yourself. Ask them what they do in your community. If you come from well, that's what I do. And I do that all over North Carolina. So my point is a little help from the community will make a whole lot of things changes and and the way that uh, the police go by the distance. We need to help the police. I agree, oh, with, you. I agree with you entirely, Foggy.
1: And indeed, yeah. I'd like to see more and more of our exactly. own Turks and Caicos Islanders joining the police force. You're right
5: about that, Mr. Yes. Thank you
1: very, very much. Okay?
2: Yes. And that, that, is, that is the key right deal We need community involvement. But on mm-hmm.
1: the last one, I really want to get back to yes. my... Earlier question, oh, because uh, although I am 70, my memory is very, very sharp. Yes,
2: yes. And I, and I
1: know. <laughs> do recall the former premier alluding to a response from the United Kingdom on the constitutional matters and that she wanted to brief the leader of the opposition before going to the public. So I ask the question again were you privy to? any of the responses because obviously there had to be some kind of response and I hope it was different from the one that the Rufus UN government got basically was work with what you got, what you have, when I said I'm tired of these dog and people peeing on my feet and want me to take this <laughs> rain. I show you remember that, that, yes, that comment. Yes,
2: yes. yes uh, thank you very much again. Uh, we had a series of constitutional talks uh, directed by the Attorney General when we ran around to all the communities having the town hall meetings. And during that time, we had comments uh, uh, and recommendations from the former leader of the opposition, who's now premier, and the former premier uh, from each party. So all of them, they came together, and I know they came together with, okay, this is what my party is saying, this is what uh, we are saying, uh, the information that the Attorney General and her team gathered from all the people, and they compiled it. And now I know for sure that uh, the Premier have reached out to me to say now we want to advance that.
1: Honorable, uh, well, that's what I mean. Uh, we're yes. running out of time. Yes. And I don't want to sound antagonistic. Yes, I understand and appreciate all of that. But if it is that you are not privy to the responses from the United Kingdom, then say so. But that's what I'm looking at because the Premier, then Premier, had said that she was going to brief the leader of opposition then speak to the public, but she yes. never spoke to the okay. public.
2: So I don't know what... Is the general response from the U.K. now with the premier. And I'm sure he's going to update me. I will give him that. I'm sure he's going to update me uh, onto that. But we had a meeting. But I was talking about the response that the former premier, Charlene Cartwright-Robinson, got to be specific. No, well, our our response was to uh, meet with the leader of the opposition and advance it as one thing, not the opposition saying one thing and the government saying one thing. So I know that happened, and it was compiled if you think what the people are saying, and to advance that.
1: Okay, we're we're right out of time, just about right out of time, but I'm going to answer this final question. It's very, very important. Philosophically and ideologically, what is the difference between the PNP and PDM? So there are those of us on the fence wanting to make a decision which way to go. Please address this for us in as brief as possible. Yes,
2: and my opinion, my opinion, uh, we always want to fully advance self-determination, self-government. That is one of the main things, that we are always looking to advance our people into self-determination. That is what we were built on and we want to strive to that place where we can be determined. Uh, I feel that uh, the PNP uh, administration, they normally look at big business to me. Even so you see with the current bills in the house, big business, you know, focusing on the Uh, the big things, uh, the big people coming in. And I think that the PDM, we look at the little people, uh, local ownership, local development, local entrepreneurship. Uh, When the PNP does it, it's more at a high level only. But when we look, we try to go at the grassroots. We try to bring the little people up, where everybody, when they say a rising tide should float all boats, not just the big boats; the rise and tide should float. Rise uh, and tide should float uh, everything.
1: Thank you very much, honorable Assad. I know that you would have elaborated even more. Yes, but we are out of time. Just take thirty seconds to make your closing comments, because we have to break for the news time and get gone.
2: Yes, and uh, Mr. Hall, I can come back anytime. You can invite me back anytime, and sure, people will have those questions. Uh, but I just want the people to know that uh, we, the opposition, we are on the job. And we have a body of work to question the government on now. We're going to hold their feet to the fire like the sun say. Uh, We're going to do our job. We're going to show up every day for our people. And we do believe that even though it's two of us, we are very mighty inside the house. There's no intimidation there. So we're going to do our job to the best of our ability. And we're always going to put the interests of our people first. Our people are our bosses, and we have to account for our people. And if it's good for our people, we will support it. If it's not good for our people, we will fight against it with everything we get.
1: Well, thank you very much. Honorable leader of the opposition. It's been a pleasure sitting with you today, and I think uh, we've had a great dialogue. Yes. And I do hope that the public itself uh, has appreciated We want to thank those who called in. I want to thank my technical operator, Mr. Hines. Uh, great working with you. And to all of you out there at uh, Radio Land, Do have a pleasant day. Have a healthy lunch. God bless you. And join me again on Wednesday. Don't forget, we'll have a team from the National Insurance, and we'll be talking about all things National Insurance. God bless you.
6: Turks and Caicos at 12.01. It's time for the World Business Report. This is World Business Report from the BBC World Service. I'm Rahul Tandon here in our studio in central London. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up, we look at the impact of rising tensions in Eastern Europe on gas prices. How much higher could they possibly go? And we ask, why has one of the world's largest iron ore producers decided to buy a battery company associated with Formula One? There is genuine commitment
1: Not only commitment, but money's put aside, money's being spent, plans being put in place to take action and take the lead to deliver these solutions.
6: And why are cookies at the centre of a row between German publishers and Google? But let's start, as we often do, talking about Ukraine and Russia because we're looking at the financial implications of what's happening in Eastern Europe. Ukraine is bracing itself for a possible Russian invasion, which the West believes could happen very soon. The latest developments on Monday are that NATO is putting its forces on standby whilst the European Union has announced a $1 billion financial package to support Ukraine. Ursula von der Leyen is the president of the EU Commission.
1: As ever... The European Union stands by Ukraine in these difficult circumstances. We are very firm in our resolve. And let me be clear once more. Ukraine is a free and sovereign country. It makes its own choices. And the European Union stands by the side of Ukraine.
6: Meanwhile, the families of U.S. and U.K. diplomats are being withdrawn from Kiev over security concerns. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has issued this warning to Moscow.
5: The intelligence is very clear that there are uh, about six Russian battle groups on the borders of Ukraine. The plan for a lightning war that could take out Kiev is one that everybody uh, can see. We need to make it very clear to the Kremlin, to Russia, that that would be a disastrous
6: step. Let's get a Russian perspective on all these developments from Chris Weaver, who's the chief executive of the Economic Consultancy Macro Advisory. He's based in Moscow.
7: We heard over 20 years ago, when Vladimir Putin became president, that he was talking about the deal that the Russians believe was done between Gorbachev and uh, President Reagan and Prime Minister Thatcher about containing the expansion of NATO. In 2007, Putin made a very uh, famous speech at the Munich Security Conference, where he, la- he really laid it out: uh, Russia's anger and frustration that. NATO still coming closer and closer to the border. So the last couple of years, we've heard that anger and frustration uh, even more clearly. So certainly, I think this is you know something that Russia
6: wants to finalise one way or the other now. We had this very strong statement from President Biden recently, where he said Russia would see sanctions alike of which they'd never seen before. But is Russia actually quite prepared to deal with those sanctions, in a way been planning for those sanctions?
7: President Biden's kind of statement about the kind of, you know, sanctions from hell are based on the assumption that Russia invades all of Ukraine, pretty much up to the the Polish border. But there is no sense in Moscow whatsoever that Russia is planning a full invasion of Ukraine. In Moscow, the kind of discussion or the sense or the feeling is that if Russia does not get what it wants through political negotiation, then very likely we would see Russia occupying the separatist region Eastern Donbass